0: Welcome to the Church 214 Podcast. We're glad that you've joined us today. We hope that you enjoy today's message. And if you'd like to find out more about our church, please visit our website at church214.org. My fan club came today. Thanks, guys. Brothers. Um, well, growing up, I had a fear. Not a fear, but public speaking made me want to throw up. So front row, you're safe today. Um, But I was a very, very shy child, and I faked sick one day in speech class so that I didn't have to give a speech in front of the class, but I had to give it in front of the teacher alone after school, and that was even more terrifying. So I'm good with this. I told Heather. I was like, I don't think I can practice in front of just you. I'd rather just get up there and go in front of everyone. So But even two and a half, three years ago, if you would have told me that I would be up here preaching on the stage, I would have told you you were crazy, that I was still shy, not knowledgeable enough, and public speaking still made me want to puke. But it's something really cool happens when you start pursuing Jesus and walking in the person God created you to be. And so it's not in my own flesh that I come up here and I'm able to do it but it's the boldness and the confidence that the Lord have, has uh, revealed to me and put in within me in the past two years that I'm able to do this. And so um, I've truly been who he's created me to be, and I really have fallen in love with that person. And Getting up here today would have been putting him in a box. So I'm really excited to preach today to you guys. So we're in a series called Back to Life, and if you weren't here last week, um, go back and listen to our podcast on the website. Uh, Ryan's message was great, and you'll probably laugh too because he's a stand-up comedian, as long as a, or with being a preacher. Um, but Ryan and I meet a couple times a week. He's my mentor for work. I work for Youth for Christ, and he asked me one day what I had prepared for my message, and I gave him like a long list of things, and I was like, "Well, I only have 15 minutes, so I have to cut things out." And one of the things I gave him was Ezekiel 37, and he's not here to defend himself today, so I'm going to go ahead and say that I uh, inspired that message last week. You're welcome, everyone. Um, But it's a good thing, and it's a God thing, because because of time and context, I probably wouldn't have made it there today. So God gave him a good word for you guys. Today we are celebrating Easter, and in my personal opinion, it, we way under celebrate Easter. Um, I thought about like the preparation from Thanksgiving to Christmas. Like, we get so excited for Christmas, and I love Christmas and the meaning of it, um, Jesus being born. But Easter just falls by the wayside, I feel like. And so it's just another day that comes and goes without little celebration. Like, we celebrate it once and then it's over, and it Christmas is cool because it's the start of God's promise. It's Jesus being born. But Easter is even better because it's the fulfillment of that promise. And today we should be celebrating the victory over death. But it go, we let it come and go, and we don't often reflect on it. And if we're truly living out the gospel, Easter is the gospel, we should be celebrating and rejoicing in it every single day instead of just giving it one day a year. So, if you take notes, or even if you don't, um, I'm calling this message Death, Life, and the Words to Live By, and I felt kind of cool getting to title a message, um, but I can't take any credit for it because when I was stuck with my long list of things that I felt like I was supposed to preach on today, um, these three things are what the Holy Spirit left me with, so I have to give him all the credit for the title. The first word in the title is death, and... That was my biggest fear growing up. I wasn't, a scare, I wasn't afraid of the dark or spiders, but I was terrified of death and dying. Like we would be in the car driving and I would play out the scenario in my head that the car hit like, or we got in a car crash and I was only dying and me being left alone and abandoned. And up until about two years ago, I struggled with how unfair I thought death was. I thought it was this terrible, awful thing that God had happened to us because we did something wrong or the person who died did something wrong. But it wasn't until, um, well, I really struggled with it when I became a mother and I had this crippling anxiety that my child would go to sleep at night and I'd wake up in the morning and he would be dead. Um, And so I've really had to work on overcoming that anxiety and up until about two years ago, I didn't truly realize how beautiful death is and I don't say that to be morbid or dismiss pain and grief that people feel after losing a loved one because I've lost a lot of significant people in my life but I say it because I believe in the death of Jesus and the hope that it brings us 2,000 years later and so when we're in a knowing relationship with him we don't have to fear death we get to rejoice because when we leave our earthly bodies we get to be with him in heaven uh, but there's not just physical death. We can also experience spiritual death here on earth. And that, I, have a, I justify my fear in that now. Because I feel like so many people in the church are walking around spiritually dead, and they don't even realize it. And I can attest to that because I used to be that person. I had all this head knowledge of Jesus, and I was walking around, but spiritually I was dead because I wasn't truly pursuing him. And we celebrate Easter today because after the death of Jesus on the cross on Friday and the waiting period of Saturday, we get to rejoice that death was conquered today. But first, in order to have the victory, we have to come to terms with the death. And so in Matthew 27, 45 through 54, it says, At noon, darkness fell across the whole land until 3 o'clock. And at about 3 o'clock, Jesus called out with a loud voice, Eli, Eli, Lemma, Simonacci. I probably totally butchered that. Which means, my God, my God, why have you abandoned me? And some of the bystanders misunderstood and thought he was calling for the prophet Elijah. And one of them ran and filled a sponge with sour wine, holding it up to him on a reed stick so that he could drink. But the rest said, wait, Let's see whether Elijah comes to save him. And then Jesus shouted again and he released his spirit. At that moment, the curtain in the sanctuary of the temple torn in two from top to bottom. The earth shook, rocks split apart, and tombs opened. The bodies of many godly men and women who had died were raised from the dead. They left the cemetery after Jesus' resurrection, went to the holy city of Jerusalem and appeared to many people. The Roman officer and the other soldier at the crucifixion were terrified by the earthquake and all that had happened. They said, this man truly was the Son of God. And before I get into my main point from this passage, the last sentence of this, these verses say, they said, this truly was the Son of God. Imagine, you and you mocked him, and you beat him, and then you realized he was truly the son of God. Like, I would have felt like an idiot. But it's true of us still today. We still mock him. We don't walk faithfully with him. And the, his death on the cross was because of us. And we still struggle to say this man truly was the son of God, or we don't want it to admit to it. But the part that really stuck out to me in these verses is after uh, Jesus' spirit went into heaven and the earthquake happened and the tombs opened and the bodies of many godly men and women who died were raised from the dead. And I don't think that's just for that time. I think it's for us now because too many of us fall into the category of godly men and women who are spiritually dead because I'm going to take a safe guess that almost everyone in this room at least has head knowledge of Jesus. You at least know who Jesus is. But you're spiritually dead because you can know Jesus, but it's something when you're wrecked, something completely different when you allow him to wreck your life. And so you're choosing to stay stuck in graves that are keeping you from recognizing what the cross means or standing in that truth of what the cross means. And so too many of us are allowing us ourselves to stay in graves of shame, anxiety, depression, fear, guilt, pride, lust, or whatever else that comes to your mind that you could think that could possibly be holding you back from recognizing this truth because you think it's easier to stay complacent with where you are than actually allow yourself to feel feel pain a little, for a little bit, recognize your sin, and then get up and walk with Jesus. And spirit, like I said, spiritual deadness isn't just the people who don't know Jesus at all. It's all of us who make up the church and just are denying ourselves of truly pursuing a relationship with him and allowing him to wreck our lives and identifying with what the cross means instead of just letting Good Friday come and go Easter come and go instead of really living it out because he wants us and he allowed this to happen so that he could restore our relationship with him he didn't owe us this and Jesus didn't think that dying on the cross was going to be fun he did it so that we could have a new life Because our ultimate fate was death. Romans 6.23 says, For the wages of sin is death, but the gift of God is eternal life in Christ Jesus our Lord. And if you were here a few weeks ago, you uh, got to hear Chris's message on how eternity is set in our hearts. And our eternal life, we don't wait until we die for that to happen. We have the choice to make that happen now here while we're on earth. When we choose to die to ourselves and live a new life with Jesus. And Ryan gave a good explanation last week about witnessing God breathing life into his son as he took his first breath when he was born. And Jesus' death and resurrection gives us access to eternal life and gives us access. His last breath on the cross gives us uh, the ability to breathe a new breath here on earth. And Easter's the celebration of not only Jesus rising from the dead and breathing a new breath, because just like we get new life here on earth, he, got an, he rose up from the dead and he got another chance. Not that he needed one, though. Um, but he sh- showed his victory over death. And by choosing to walk with Jesus and allowing his last breath on the cross to be our first breath here as Christians on earth. We're choosing that death doesn't have a hold on us, that we have access to victory and a new life and eternity with God in heaven, the father who created us, who knows every single detail of our life, who desires a relationship with us. He didn't have, he wasn't making up this plan for centuries just so that Jesus could die and nothing would happen. And some people, I know I struggled with this, especially when I was younger and just had this held knowledge of Jesus. But I went back and forth with how crazy this idea was that Jesus rose from the dead. And I didn't realize until I was preparing for this message, how I was limiting God's power by not my human brain not being able to comprehend the resurrection and the death of Jesus. And it sounds crazy, and it's hard to wrap our rain, brains around, but we don't accept, doesn't owe us an explanation for his ways, right? We just know that because of heaven. But the words of li- To Live By, part of my title, comes from this book right here. And it's not only the best-selling book ever, um, but it's what I live my life by, or what I choose to live my life by. And some s- could say that's a bold statement, and I've been challenged before with people trying to challenge with me with scientific reasoning, but I believe that it's true because it's stood the test of time. It hasn't wavered or changed at all. It's been mocked, slandered, put through put through the fire but it's God's word. And in it is recorded the life, death, and resurrection of Jesus. There are approximately 100 prophecies about the death and resurrection of Jesus. And God had prepared us and told us of his coming over 100 times before it actually happened. And people waited for him, and people died believing that Jesus would come. And I can't read every single prophecy to you today. Otherwise, we would be here well into the night. But so I had to narrow it down to one, which is Isaiah 53. And it says, who has believed our message? To whom has the Lord revealed his powerful arm? My servant grew up in the Lord's presence like a tender green shoot, like a root in dry ground. There was nothing beautiful or majestic about his presence, nothing to attract us to him. He was despised and rejected, a man of sorrows acquainted with deepest grief. We turned our backs on him and looked the other way. He was despised and we did not care. Yet in our weakness, he carried it he carried. It was our sorrows that weighed him down. And we thought his troubles were a punishment from God, a punishment for his own sins. But he was pierced for our rebellion, crushed for our sins. He was beaten so that we could be whole. He was whipped so that we could be healed. All of us, like sheep, have strayed away. We have left God's path to follow our own. Yet the Lord laid on him the sins of us all. He was oppressed and treated harshly, yet he never said a word. He was, like a, he was led like a lamb to the slaughter. And as a sheep is silent before the shears, he did not open his mouth. "'Unjustly condemned, he was led away. "'No one cared that he died without descendants, "'that his life was cut short in midstream, "'but he was struck down for the rebellion of my people. "'He had done no wrong and had never deceived anyone, "'but he was buried like a criminal. "'He was put in in a rich man's grave, "'but it was the Lord's God plan to crush him "'and cause him grief.' Yet when his life is made an offering for sin, he will have many descendants. He will enjoy a long life, and the Lord's good plan will prosper in his hands. When he sees all that is accomplished by his anguish, he will be satisfied. And because of his experience, my righteous servant will make it possible for many to be counted righteous, and he will bear their sins. I will give him the honors of a victorious soldier— because he has exposed himself to death. He was accounted among the rebels, and he bore the sins of many and interceded for rebels. This prophecy was written about 700 years before the birth of Christ. So 700 years before he was born, his death was explained, that he would um, be pierced for our rebellion, crushed for our sins. He was beaten so that we could be whole was whipped so that we could be healed. I can't remember a time as a child where I didn't at least know of the name Jesus, Um, but I was only in a relationship with him when it was convenient for me, or when I was desperate. And it wasn't until about two years ago that I let the truth of the gospel actually wreck me that I realized that he wasn't just another person, but he chose me by dying for me. And that he chose me by r- rising up from the dead and ch- claiming victory over death. And the thing is, he doesn't need us, but he wants us. God, the creator of the universe, doesn't need us, but he wants us. And so that's why he sent Jesus to die for us, so that we have the opportunity to be in relationship with Him because He wants us. And it's life-changing. It's one thing to need Jesus. We all need Jesus. But we all need to want Jesus because that's where life change happens. Because all the days of my life I'm going to need Jesus, but when I wake up and I want to pursue a relationship with Him, that's when my life changes. That's when... I realize that physical death here on earth isn't that bad because I have the hope of heaven. Or that's when I'm having a bad day, I realize that God is in the details of everything and it's really not that big of a deal. Because up two years ago I was spiritually dead, so dead that I stopped coming to church. I'd asked my husband for a divorce And in my mind, I didn't even need Jesus. I wanted to be alone by myself because I thought I could handle life here on earth by myself. But one night he wrecked me and called me back to himself. He softened a heart of stone and put into me a new heart, a heart that desires a relationship with him, a heart that realizes without him, I have no hope. And without him, I'm going to fail myself and the people around me daily. I I wake up and I crave the word of God because it's where I feel closest to him. And it's what leads me to live a life that is desirable to him, even though I still fail daily because I'm human. It helps me live in his will. It feeds me. It nourishes me. And the truth is, it wasn't written just to be the best-selling book, but to help us live lives according to God's will. 2 Timothy 3.16, all scripture is inspired by God and is useful to teach wrong in our lives. It corrects us and when we are wrong and teaches us to do what is right. And at work, we have these monthly youth network meetings where um, youth pastors and other people in the area gather together, and we are having a conversation about the Bible, and one of the guys said, just like the cross God didn't owe us the Bible. He didn't have to give us this wonderful gift of his word to lead us into a closer relationship with him. He could have just let us try and live lives that pleased him, but instead he gave us a guidebook. And I'm so thankful for that because I would be lost without it. And the past two months, I haven't had the same desire that I have had to get up and read this every morning. I've struggled to physically get out of my bed and to choose to um, get in the Word. And if I wasn't re- trying to work on this message and know that I had to get in His Word, I probably wouldn't have. Um, because I, when I, bleh, sorry, <laughs> when I was choosing to stay in my bed and sleep, or feel like I physically couldn't move out of my bed because it was keeping me from reading this, I noticed a shift in my personality. And the people closest to me in my lives noticed it too. Because I was starting to lose my identity because I wasn't walking as closely with Jesus. And so I wanna encourage you that if you walked on these doors this morning and you have a hardened heart towards God, or you feel like you're stuck in this grave and you don't know how to get out, just pursue Jesus. And saying yes is the be- to pursuing a relationship with Jesus and turning that head knowledge into heart knowledge is the best decision you'll ever make. But as a Christian, it's also the easiest decision you'll ever make. And I tell my students that all the time. Because as soon as you say yes, Satan wants to take that new life back from you. And he will try anything to do so. Choosing Jesus for the first time or even waking up daily and choosing him again and again, it's hard. It's really hard because I'm a prideful person and I think I can do it on my own. But I know I need him. I know I need the Holy Spirit and I need to rely on the Holy Spirit. I know I need to get in God's word because it's a guide for me to live a good life, a life that isn't full of so much pain because I have hope. And if you walked in today and you don't know Jesus at all, and this seems confusing and hard, talk to the person who brought you here today. Because we want you to know Jesus. We don't want anything held back We don't need any more spiritually dead people walking around. We need people who are filled with life, who have hope. Tonight I leave with my dad and my brother, and we're starting a new journey as a family. My 14-year-old brother has a chronic disease called cystic fibrosis. And by this time next week, He's the number one candidate on a list for a double lung transplant in St. Louis. And as a family, we feel this different mix of emotions. We're excited and nervous and anxious and all these other things because this will hopefully mean that he gets many, many more years with us. And family, it's going to be a new life for him, full of adventure and health that Will's never experienced one without uh, oxygen, having to be attached to oxygen for physical, to any kind of physical activity. Another family will be grieving the loss of a loved one. And as I've mentally prepared myself for this, God has reminded me of how much our situation relates to the gospel because you and me get to experience a new life here on Earth because of what Jesus did for us by dying on the cross. He paid the price for you and for me, and it cost God everything. But He still chose His son for you and for me. And the family of the person's lungs who my brother will receive, that my brother will receive, it's going to feel like they lost everything. But they're giving my brother a new chance at a longer life. And I keep picturing the day that he's going to breathe that first breath with these new lungs. And it reminds me of the day that I chose to pursue Jesus and that new breath that I was filled with and the new life that I was filled with. So... I want to encourage you today that if you feel spiritually dead, it's not too late. It's never too late. And if you need help getting up out of that grave and calling on the name of Jesus doesn't feel like it's working, know that you have people that will rally around you. People that are going to come alongside you and help pull you out of that grave because we don't need spiritually dead people anymore. We need churches filled with people who are passionately pursuing Jesus and living out the gospel and not letting Easter come and go as another day in their week. And so as we close today, I want you just to reflect on where you feel like you are. And as I pray if you feel like that you're that person everyone's eyes will be closed and I just want you to raise your hand Raise your hand and claim that vic- the victory of the death of Jesus That death doesn't get to hold you down anymore and that you get to pursue a new life with him because it starts today but it lasts for an eternity And so Father I just thank you for this room full of people today. I thank you that we have the opportunity to share a meal together and to get to know new you. For the death of your son, Jesus. For the victory that we get to stand in now. And Jesus, if anyone walked in this morning and they feel stuck in a grave, they feel like they're spiritually dead, I just ask that this morning you would breathe new life into them. May they not feel hopeless anymore. May they choose to passionately pursue you, even when it's hard. Jesus, we thank you that you stand with us, that you died for us, and for the victory that we get to claim over death now. In Jesus' name, amen.